You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bledsoe, and this is volume 15 of Unscottable, which is our ongoing series on the films of director Tony Scott. Uh, and this time we are talking about the taking of Pelham 123 from 2009. Tell me, talk about it. I'm very excited to welcome back to the podcast. Uh, the biggest Tony Scott fan I know, a man you all probably know, is that Tony Scott guy on Twitter. Uh, it's James Coddington. James, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back. I'm excited to talk to you again. Our Domino conversation was a ton of fun, so this this should be uh, exciting. And thank you for volunteering for the one movie that nobody volunteered for. Yes, <laughs> makes me sad. I know, I know. I thought uh, I had p- two people jumped on the fan, which I thought would be the hard one to to fill, oh, but okay. but nobody jumped on taking a film one two three. So you know, <laughs> no, that's very happy. Lost. <laughs> when you stepped up, I was very happy. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can change people's minds on this movie. So, um, but, but yes, welcome back. I know last time you were here and then we talked all about uh, start off like your history as being like the Tony Scott guy on Twitter <laughs> and him being a director that you love. And I, I would talk a little before we started recording. Um, Cause I don't think I asked you last time, but like specifically kind of what is it that it, you were drawn to about Tony Scott or what is it that you kind of, love about him as a director oh that's tough i know that's uh, i'm sorry it's a big open question yeah, uh, but yeah <laughs> yeah e- even thinking about it still i'm like uh everything well no um you know uh like we know he's changed so much over the course of his career you know like we've talked about that before that you wouldn't even know it was the same director necessarily if you watch top gun and then you watch the taking of pelham 123 you know what i mean <laughs> his style did change a lot over the years and I've always liked it, but I mean, mostly what I guess I've always been attracted to is the style, like the visual, you know, his, his technical aesthetics, mostly, you know, to do with the visual storytelling, uh, which is maybe what a lot of people kind of probably have issues with, you know, like, Oh, he's style over substance. But uh, like I was telling you earlier, I, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm a big, style over substance guy and he's got style out the wazoo and i'm there for it even from you know sure in the beginning it wasn't as crazy as he got later but he's always had it and um that's my big thing with him is it's just his movies are fun to watch you know oh yes i agree and i, I you're you're safe here because i'm also a style or substance guy i would say and i feel like that's like almost uh what's the word like to admit that to people, they almost look down on you, I feel like, because you're a style or substance person. I feel like that's a knock against like guys like Brian De Palma, of course, Tony oh, Scott. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
Oh God, I'm gonna blank on. I'm trying to name all these guys, but there's a ton of guys. Nicholas, when you reference, I think you yeah, mentioned yeah. before we started recording. Um, guys, I all like. There's plenty. I mean, I, it's a visual medium. At the end of the day, I feel like if you're not doing something like interesting and exciting with your movie, then what are you even doing? Because that's the whole point to me. You know, it's like and not knock anybody who is more like. I guess about the substance. Oh, I think there's still plenty of substance Tony Scott's movies. We've argued that many times in the show, but um, yeah, I've always just been a style guy. So I'm attracted to guys that kind of go big and flashy and you know, it just, it catches your eye. And yeah, like you said about Tony Scott, we talked about many times too, about how he's evolved over the years, which I think is smart because if you're a filmmaker that does the same thing for, you know, 30, 40 years, it's like, what are you doing too? You know, it's like, you're not evolving with the times. And I don't think it's necessarily ever like, trend chasing because you can always read or listen to tony scott talk about like why he's doing something and i feel like he's just well, he's trend setting i mean or that's oh what yeah yeah do, you know like really oh i know oh yeah yeah i just it's like the it's funny it's funny because like mid 2000s stuff you like people think like it looks very of the time but i just feel like he's just trying new things and i think that kind of I feel like people probably stole more from him than people even realize, you know, that people stole from his style right. more than we understand. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I mean, if you're a style guy, then Tony Scott is like the guy. <laughs> so yeah. and like you said, he, it's, he does have substance too. Like that's always been a criticism, but it, it's there. You just have to want to see it or look for it maybe sometimes, but sure. It's not the first and foremost thing that you're going to notice in his movies, obviously, but it is still there. And, uh, you you kind of said yeah I'm you know being style over substance doesn't mean we don't like substance <laughs> I right. love substance but I am totally yeah. okay with not having substance if it's not there I'm not gonna knock a movie or like some people do have to have the substance and that's totally cool but I don't I'm all, all about visual only. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I sometimes I almost feel like it's my downfall because I'll like uh, <laughs> really get into movies that are very visual strike striking and then like sometimes i'll look back at like top 10 list i made and i look at movies sometimes on there and i'm like why was that on there i'm like oh because it looks really good and that really <laughs> and that really kind of sold it for me and maybe it didn't hold up as well but not always the case but sometimes i'm like oh right i'm just i get sucked into it and i'm like ah style but yeah. um <laughs> but well then of course we could argue you know some people say well tony scott's visual styles garbage you know like we could also get into the subjectiveness of i mean yeah of what bad style or what you like which is which is art to the end of the day people will look at paintings and they go that looks like a child drew that and some people are like it's brilliant you know they look at it like they paid millions of dollars for stuff that you think it's like finger painting you know it's it's to everybody it's just different so um i know some people yeah really don't like his style especially the 2000s like there's a lot of reviews from critics you can find very yeah. easily uh, mm-hmm. who hate what he's doing. Um, a lot of bad reviews for the taking of Pelham one, two, three, actually, you know, to get into that a little bit. But I, I think Roger Ebert said it was such a simple sentence, but it was like, there's nothing really wrong with it, but there's nothing really right about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I, like, uh, yeah. you know, I could see that point, I guess, but I, you know, I like what he's doing with this movie, but um. I think there's, there's always when to remake a beloved re, a beloved movie because he remakes Man on Fire, but I don't think Man on Fire is very beloved by anybody. <laughs> like, right. so no one has a problem with that. I mean, nope. they still kind of knock him for just the movie itself. I don't think any, I, I didn't read any reviews that were like, oh, I can't believe he remade Man on Fire from 1987. But, but with this one, almost everything I read was like pales in comparison to the original. Uh, you know, why they even bother to remake the Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. 
um that whole thing that seems like it's already a hurdle from the get-go <laughs> you know it's like yeah. we're just kind of unfair to to compare it to the first one i mean i, I was reading the first one a little bit on this but i didn't want to get too deep into it because it's a whole separate thing but um i guess just to lead into that though have you seen the original taking upon one two three uh yeah and i actually just watched it last night too just you know yeah <laughs> It is. They're 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 a lot closer than I think people might even like want to admit. I don't know. Like they're they're pretty similar. Like to me anyway. Like and uh, yeah. yeah, maybe not to other people, but uh, outside of the obvious, you know, kinetic differences and the visual storytelling that's going on, they're almost almost the same. Like there's and there's a lot of like correlations between the two. Even like I'm. I, they both have almost the exact same like with the money the transfer Mm -hmm. when they're doing like those scenes are almost the exact same in both movies so it's kind of weird like how many things i was noticing because i've watched the tony scott version way more than the old one to many people's probably (laughs) but uh, uh yeah it was just it was just interesting to see a lot of the similarities between the two whenever it seems that most people were trying to say and and maybe that was part of the issue is that there were more even though tony scott talks about you know like not trying to remake it or whatever he did end up getting pretty close maybe more close than he kind of intended to but (laughs) yeah maybe that had a bit of an issue you know for people so yeah that's the funny thing i was listening to his commentary i'm sure you did too or you listened to in the past at least where he keeps saying like how different it is from the original but i watched today i watched them back to back i watched the original and the remake they're much more similar than I think Tony yeah. Scott's even getting credit for. Like the first, yeah. especially the first two thirds, I think at the the third act, they both kind of go, they diverge a little bit um, with what the plan is and how it definitely how it resolves. Very different how it resolves. Because yeah. um, that, that ending of the original is pretty great. It's kind of oh, comedic wow. in a way, but it's, yes. I kind of, I, I log you on Letterboxd, like best ending shot ever, you know, sure. for that. Yeah. It's I mean, pretty it's great, but it's, it is very different from what Tony did. But the, but the, for the first two thirds, yeah, I'm like, this is very similar. Like how they take the train, uh, the whole back and forth with Walter Matthau and uh, Robert Shaw yeah. and then with Denzel and, and John Travolta and like, uh, and then, you know, kind of the plans at the end, how they kind of go, that's when it separates. But for a long time, yeah, I'm like, it's very similar. The money transfer you mentioned too is like pretty similar as well. So yeah, where they're like, they like yeah. cross cut back and forth between, you know, uh, in the old, in the original, they, they show them actually like counting out all the bills and the money machines and everything or whatnot. And then uh, they start, you know, they transfer it in a car, which in the new one or the t- Tony's version, there is that, uh, we'll call it like the Tony Scott action sequences, <laughs> the, the car actually, you know, the, the transport through the city with the, you know, Henry Gregson Williams music, which is actually one of the, my criticisms of the movie. I, I don't like a lot of the score in this I, one. It's so funny you it up because I was going to mention the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I agree, actually. And he's done some very good scores. Yeah, no, I, I normally love Harry Gregson and all of his stuff with Tony Scott even, but this one is the one that really rubs me wrong. Like that <laughs> scene in particular, like all that weird guitar and like, it just, it just feels goofy to me. Like it, it's silly. And it, it even does it again way toward the end of the movie. It kind of, it does another little theme that I can't remember exactly how it sounds, but it, I just, it kind of irked me a bit, but no, those are small 
Uh, yeah, no, but it's funny because you bring it up because I don't, I feel like I notice good scores. I feel like I don't usually notice bad scores or yeah. mediocre scores. I feel like this is just, because I think they I knew, disappear. yeah, it just kind of, and I knew who was doing it because it's like, yeah, a guy who did a bunch of stuff with Tony. Uh, we just praising his score on Deja Vu on the last episode. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, and the great score. And then this happens. I'm like, this is not great. I'm like, <laughs> like this is the, one of the weaker parts of the movie. And it's like, for it to be, for me to notice it, I think it has to be kind of bad. So, yeah, yeah I'm glad you brought that up because I definitely noticed that too. Um, yeah, but that the funny thing is that sequence is very exciting uh, right. of them trying to get the money across town and like the uh, the logistics of trying to race something across New York City <laughs> in like any condition seems difficult yeah. like, at any, yeah. even with a police escort, uh, as they show in the movie, which I love like about both versions about just little things that go wrong and like kind of this realistic thing of like any little thing can mess up your plan or how the, the real, the real world logistics of this kind of being pulled off and things that get people that don't normally show, you know, I feel like, Oh, just getting money across town um, through traffic would be very difficult. And this and people are crashing motorcycles and they're crashing the police car and it goes over like a, a, a tunnel one point. It's like, it's insane. So right. um it's a very exciting sequence. The score, though, not great. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that does suck because you know it it is exciting, but considering we're both noticing that score, like it detracts from the excitement because you're like, man, this is, <laughs> this is so bad. Like I can't stop thinking about how bad the, the music is in that scene. And you know, he obviously amps up the that scene. Like those scenes are almost the exact same. Like, there's two cops in the car. They're talking to right. each other you know, bullshitting and whatnot. And they both wreck, they both flip. Of course, Tony Scott's is, you know, a little more and I think you were more spectacular, I think. Yeah. yeah, that Roger review, he brings that up. And it, it's just funny, because he's like, a car couldn't do that. And you're like, stop. He's he, what is he doing? He's script watching. Like, Come on, Roger, you've you've seen enough movies. Come on, you tell me yeah. like, that's where you draw the line. A car can't do that. Like, um, yeah, I just that doesn't bother me. But yeah, no, his version's way more, of course, because Tony Scott, it's a little more bombastic. Uh yeah. the the first one is very feels very grounded in reality, I feel like. And this one isn't too it, but it's more it is more Tony Scott. It's more a little more over the top. But like the first one feels like so authentically New York, so authentically like this could really happen like this. <laughs> and uh right. Of course, Tony adds his flair to it, but um, and this listen, this one, unlike the original, opens with Jay Z's 99 Problems, which I think is a plus. That's a, that's an up, that is, that is a big plus. That intro, <laughs> like that opening sequence, is pretty good. And see, like that, that works for that to me. But right. I think some people might not like that, you know, they're like, oh, what is this? He's just using, you know, like trying to be cool or whatever. But I, I love it, like, I think it actually fits really well with that. Oh, yeah, I love that opening sequence. I kind of had forgotten when it started. I was like, oh, yeah, they, they use 99 Problems. This is great. It gets you right into it. I do love how it just gets you right in following the guys as they're going to take the train. Like, it's a great opening. No, I'm like, I'm fine with using that song. <laughs> like, yeah, I, think, sure. I think it works. If it works, it works. Um, oh, that uh, had. So when did you see this movie for the first time? Because I have kind of a interesting first time viewing of this movie. Did you see this in theaters? You catch it later. Uh, I caught it later. Okay. Uh, I, this is one that I didn't ever see until i kind of started getting into tony scott like this was one of my blind spots until a few years ago so i've only seen it over the last probably five or six years was the first time i saw it 
Okay, yeah, I was. It was when I was getting Tony Scott too, more and kind of trying to fill in gaps. Mm-hmm. And I, it was. I think I told the story before, but it was just funny because the first time I watched this movie was on a plane ride, like a very long cross country plane ride. <laughs> and <laughs> I downloaded from Netflix, and it played like gangbusters on that plane. Like I don't know if because the oxygen was thin or what, but I was so into it, and I got you know I was like went on Letterbox, I was like four stars, this and and then I see everybody just crapping on it like two stars one star and i'm like what and i'm like was it the plane ride <laughs> like was it do you need to watch it in a in a vehicle of some sort um but i was so locked in to the entire movie start to finish like i was so invested and it played so well it played a, so it did play a little uh less uh well <laughs> like this time around because i don't think i've rewatched it since that trip because i kind of thought like the magic would come off a little bit and only a little bit. It's not like it, it fell off a bunch, but, um, but yeah, it just, I wasn't as like into it. I felt so engrossed the first time, like everything that was happening, all their conversations. Um, and I just was not quite as into it. And the funny thing is like, not probably get too far ahead, but like I was kind of looking at my Tony Scott ranking I keep on letterbox that forever changes, but I'm like, I like this movie, but it still falls very close to the bottom for me. Like yeah. it's like a bottom four or five. And I'm like, man, he's made a lot of good movies. Cause this is not bad. Yeah. And it just, I think the other thing too, is that coming off that little kind of trilogy of man on fire, domino and deja vu, which I is like probably my favorite stuff overall, especially now that I love deja vu as much as I do. Yeah. Um, like, it's like this almost feels like a a step down because it's it feels a little more standard i guess i don't know how to put it. it's like a little more straightforward i guess you know it kind of feels like he's trying it's not as spectacular as the other stuff yeah yeah no no it, i i can see that for sure it, it's weird that you were saying that this was like a lesser viewing for you this time because i watched it I, wa- I rewatched it this morning and then i watched it again this afternoon with the commentary Cause you know, I going crazy like oh, always, yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh, this morning when I was watching it and I was just kind of watching it in the background while I was doing some work, but it actually, I think it played the best that it had ever played oh, okay. for me. So it was, <laughs> it was really interesting. Like again, we can just jump around, honestly, if you want, just kind of, Oh yeah, that's fine. It's usually, this usually the shows goes anyway. We're not really like structured or any or so. Yeah. Um, I don't want to like start at the beginning and just go through the plot. Everyone knows the plot of the movie, whatever, but like <laughs> all the Travolta stuff for me this time was like hitting better than it ever had before where I was like sympathizing with him way more than I should have. I think <laughs> considering that he, you know, he's the bad guy, but I don't know. Like I was feeling for him. <laughs> most of the movie and like like why am i connecting to this dude so much like how is he getting through to me like this i couldn't explain it but it was happening <laughs> that's so funny that's funny because i mean he straight up like murders people on the train yeah. like he it's that's oh, a huge difference from the this one of the originals how i feel like how measured and how controlled robert shaw is uh in the first one i don't think he even kills anybody if i remember like he he keeps it pretty under control but then john travolta just like willy-nilly murdering people (laughs) like uh he's not holding back um and he's really hot-headed he's like fine and john travolta i felt like just took the chance to say motherfucker every chance he could get he's like it's rated r great tony i'm gonna drop some some motherfuckers on you (laughs) like he um he i will it's funny you brought him up because i the big point this movie i think when i see the bad reviews i think a lot of people 
his performance makes or breaks the movie for them. Him, mm. his his villain performance seems like if you like it, then most of the movie probably works for you. If you hate what he's doing, the whole thing dies for you, which makes sense because he's in most of the movie. But yeah. um, I like what he's doing because I like over the top villain Travolta. Um, I'm not sympathizing quite. I'm not there yet. Yeah, like, I can't explain it. And I don't okay. mean that like, I'm sympathizing with that part, but just the, you know, because they connect him and Garber to me, they're connected a lot of ways and like they're, you know, like when they're talking about what happened to Garber taking the bribes and right, right. But he didn't like, you know, he took the bribe, but it was really what he was going to pick anyway. So it was like, okay, like he, you know, that's a weird gray area. But then what happened to Travolta and like, you know, I think they're trying to get that connection, but maybe, yeah, like obviously he's a murderer and he's <laughs> a little unhinged, but it lightly. And yeah. it, but I don't know, for some reason I was still looking into all those little moral like connections between him and Garber. No, that's a good point. I mean, they do have some connection. I feel like also he's just a charismatic type of bad guy. So you're kind of drawn to him yeah in that way and if he was more like measured and not you know flying off the handle at people <laughs> i could probably feel a little worse for him but um i do i'm glad you brought that scene too about uh like uh garber denzel washington taking that taking that bribe and how that whole scene played i think it's one of the best sequences of the whole movie when john Travolta's trying to get it out of him uh because he's going to shoot somebody and he's like you know denzel washington's still trying to play it like no i didn't there's no evidence i didn't take the bribe and uh john Travolta keeps pushing it and it gets very tense and they push it right to the edge where, you know, is he going to shoot this guy? And Denzel's like, okay, I took the bribe. And, and yeah, when you hear he took the bribe, like that him, I do feel bad for, cause I'm like, you yeah. know, it's $35,000 that, that the, I guess, Japanese train company would gave him and he was going to go with their trains anyway. So I'm like, eh, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that is something I really enjoyed that they added from that's not in the original at all. I don't think anything like that. I think Walter Matthaus giving Japanese businessmen a tour is like the closest connection, but I like that wrinkle they add for for uh, Garber for Denzel's character. I think it yeah, adds like, something interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the in the original, I think the only guy who had it was the the motorman in the original oh, yeah. who had been accused of some was it drug dealing or like he was like a middleman for drug dealing that was going on. I think had, a middleman. Yeah, I think that was it. And he got fired. Yeah. And that was kind of like the only. So they almost put that onto. Denzel's character in the remake kind of only was you know insider trading or taking bribes or whatever but even for yeah with taking bribes and he was like gonna pick the train anyway so you're like you don't feel you're like whatever he, it's a big company he took money from who cares and it's like also it's funny because he says it's like $35,000 which is not which is a lot of money but not like a an insane amount of money like it's not gonna you know you can't retire off that basically. Right, and, right, right. And right. he says, even in this is 09, and he says, like, I'm gonna pay my daughter's college tuition. I'm like, it's not gonna go very far, Denzel. <laughs> like for, for for two kids. Two <laughs> yeah. It's like you'll you'll get something out of it. But uh, but yeah, I was like, Oh, for two kids, that's not gonna go very far. Um, you should ask for more money in the bride. <laughs> but um, and that's the other thing that I felt like nobody mentioned in the movie, and it like this is 09, which is right in the middle of the financial crisis. Of, mm -hmm. You know, we're right kind of in that time frame, which was a weird time. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff about the stock market in this. And of course, like Garber needing money takes a bribe. But I feel like it's they were shooting in 08. But, I, you know, it's I, I felt like and Tony hasn't really mentioned on the commentary. I thought he'd bring up unless I missed it about how this kind of ties back to 
people and and money and being desperate for you know money at that time and the stock market and all those kind of things and like it's kind of untapped a little bit but i'm i'm looking at it now in this lens of like what was going on at that time and and i'm surprised that it's not factor more into the story basically <laughs> so, yeah yeah like of, john Travolta was like a wall street guy guy yeah so it's kind of tied to that a little bit too but no it doesn't it doesn't go deep into it it doesn't kind of go deep into much of it you know just <laughs> well i mean not yeah. necessarily in a bad way but like it, it goes deep enough into i think what it needs to which is just their relationship and their back and forth through the whole movie and just kind of their play on each other but uh yeah it it, it, it is kind of weird being at that time and it not having more but yeah, I don't know. It's it maybe he just didn't want to go too far. And it's in his uh, I don't know. I don't know who could say yeah, that. No, I, he, he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't mention it in the commentary. He mentions more that he was basing that Travolta's character off of like uh, someone that used to work for Reagan or something. I think that had done almost this exact same thing where oh, yeah, they said Reagan was like out of commission for like 22 minutes or even declare i declared yeah. dead or something and then uh change the price of gold or change the price of gold and the guy bought in and plan. made a bunch of money <laughs> yeah like uh i think the plan is good that the plan is like to go under throw new york into chaos take the stock market down he knows it's gonna go down so he buys into it and makes like 300 million dollars like because again compared to the first sorry compared to the first one again but it's like the the plan i think actually is better in this because they just are trying to get money in that one and this time the whole thing of like being in a subway train holding hostages in new york is you know for the sole purpose of trying to get the stocks to go down so he can make a bunch of money off it which i'm like well that makes more sense but um which i think is a good little twist at the end it's like okay yeah yeah so i'm on board with that so i like that i like all the new wrinkles they added to the story honestly like the bribe and the whole manipulating the stock market and all that kind of stuff like um I'm on board with all that. So, yeah. Yeah, I was too. And uh, the other thing, I'm trying to think, what was it? The old one. I keep calling it the old one. I should call it the original. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, it sounds like I'm being mean. The, the old one. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it, in the original. Um, yeah. It, it, their plan is just like they get the money. They're going to get off the train. They're going to go. And, you know, only one of them makes it. it, it I do love. Uh, we're not supposed to talk about the original that much, but that's all right. That, uh, Robert <laughs> couldn't Shaw, avoid it. Couldn't avoid it. Yeah, yeah. The way he offs himself with the little, like, basically, you know, electrocuting himself. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he asked about the death penalty at the end. That was pretty good. And, hey, and yeah, the original is good. Hey, I'm, not, I'm not saying. Oh no, no. I I do think watching them both again, the especially back to back, I think I do prefer the original a little bit more They're, they are pretty different in tone and style for sure um the first one is more comedic than i remember like it's got yeah. a little more of a lighter touch i mean it's like um it definitely ends like in a comedic way which but it's it's really great um so very different uh i you know i could watch either one i i will say i probably watch it with tony's commentary again that makes everything a little better though whenever i watch a movie with his commentary i'm like Okay, now I like it a little more than I did even before. <laughs> like this one, this one, uh, I love that it I think the the last thing he says is like Oh yeah, okay. Very <laughs> I think it's very tongue in cheek, but he says uh he's like, What is it? He says, forget about the original one, this one's better. 
thank you guys talk to you later or something yes, yes he does a very quick shot and i'm pretty yeah. sure it's tongue-in-cheek but it was it made me laugh because like i had to it's like his closing line is like yeah forget about the original this one's better see you guys later <laughs> like, yeah that, that is that is the last thing he says on the commentary but it's at the very very end of the credits which does make you kind of think it's a joke like yeah, or, or maybe it's not maybe that's why i said it <laughs> he thought everybody tuned out by then yeah. yeah yeah this might be the longest or the commentary that goes longest i've ever seen because i feel like most commentaries stop he goes to like the closing logos of the credits yeah. <laughs> it's like i was like is he gonna run over they're gonna cut him off but no he, <laughs> he wraps up right at the end but um uh i mean it sounds like also from the commentary it was a very challenging movie to shoot logistically being in new york city which i did think like shooting new york just seems very tough which is why a lot of movies i think fake mm -hmm being in new york like like let's go to toronto and pretend we're in new york you know um which you could not do with this movie um and i do appreciate they actually went to new york even if it was tough um because it pays off because it feels very authentic like the original like in that way where it's like you're in new york you're in the subways um i know they worked with the actual like transit authority in new york and got all this permission and like uh in, insight basically and it, i think that helps too because you kind of need them if you're gonna do this kind of thing and i know tony's not having to shut down streets in new york which i cannot even imagine that trying to shut down any street in new york city for any period of time because i've only been there once and it was insane to me like I, you know, i'm from like the suburbs in virginia and like to see i thought we had cities but it's like new york city is like a whole different kind of animal and like you know our taxi driver at one point is just jumping like hopping a curb to get around traffic you know, it's like, it's like, I cannot imagine stopping traffic or shutting out any roads there. Cause I just imagine we throw everything into chaos. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it, but I appreciate that they're in New York. Cause it definitely, you have to be, I think if you're going to tell the story, you have to be in New York city. Um, so that part I really like too, that they're there and that he shows they're there and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's good. I don't want to say New York's a character in the movie because that's their character. It's a very cliche thing to say, but um I'm saying that without saying it, basically. <laughs> well, he even says it at one point, and I'm like, ugh. And I, it is a cliche, but, you know, whatever. It, it's fine. I don't really have a problem when people – I know some people hate when people say that he <laughs> is a character, but, I mean, it's a backdrop, and it's part of the movie. And in movies like this, sometimes that does matter. You know, like, you can't have a New York movie and it not be in New York. If you're going to show the outside of New York and you're going to have a New York movie, you know, it better be New York because you know people from new york <laughs> are gonna notice that it's, it's not hard york. it's hard to fake you know it's like uh for some reason my go-to example is uh friday 13th part eight you know it's like they have the one shot of jason in times square i think it's like literally everything else was like in toronto <laughs> that's my go-to of like yeah. we try to fake new york city and it's just like no you can't you can't fake new york city <laughs> yeah. he, he talks about the shutting down the streets too i i would be interested to know like I'm sure there's people, you know, on Twitter and stuff that lived in New York or live in New York around that time. Like, I don't know the logistics. I don't know the geography of New York yeah. at all. <laughs> like, so I, I don't know, you know, where any of that is taking place. But I would be interested to know if anyone was around then, you know, like they could talk about it because Tony Scott mentions like he calls them looky loos, you know, that caused more yeah, issues yeah. when they were <laughs> filming, you know, like people getting in the way even though they did have stuff shut down there were still other people that would come out and cause more problems right right that uh it, it's only they had much time when they shut something down and they had like six or eight hours or something mm -hmm. you know it's like had to get it done um 
So yeah, it just seemed difficult. And it was funny too, because I was looking at the budget for this, uh, which was like $100 million, which I was surprised by because it's a mostly a two location movie. There is stuff that's out in New York City, like the, the big chase scene, but like it's a lot of stuff in the train's office with Denzel. It's a lot of stuff on a train with John Travolta. <laughs> and then there is like a chase and there's stuff at the end. But I was like, $100 million. I was like, that seems like, and this is over 10 years ago. So I was surprised that it cost that much. I guess, I mean, I imagine the cost of shooting in New York City is pretty expensive. Um, paying people like John Travolta and Denzel Washington, probably a lot of money there. But I, I still was kind of, I did like raise my eyebrows at the budget because I was like, huh, $100 million. Like, I feel like, I was just surprised at that amount for the for the movie that they made because um, it just seemed like it could have cost like maybe sixty or seventy. I don't know. I was just surprised. I, I don't know if you saw that number and were like hundred million dollars. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, I actually didn't even notice the budget until you just said that. But I mean, in two thousand nine, could Denzel Washington and John Travolta both get like twenty million dollars? I mean, that's forty million if they both got paid. <laughs> I think I think Denzel could. John Travolta was I think a little bit. Maybe more a little less downturn that, yeah but like denzel probably get 20 million dollars because he's he's very he's always been bankable like i think his movies yeah. you know they always do well so um he probably it's also yeah. like you said new york it's also like i mean this is all like real i mean tony scott well i'd say more frequently had higher budgets because it's just so much you know real i'll say real like you know like not that much like cg or you know it was all yeah. on location like you said like it's just real filming out there you know like all this stuff costs money and <laughs> a lot of money plus whatever budget they had for like promotion and whatnot but yeah and i think that's why a lot of movies choose not to shoot in new york i think it's just very expensive to shoot there um but i was just surprised but no i, I mean it looks good it looks like it was it costs a lot it's 100 million dollars i was like oh that seems like a lot of a lot a lot of <laughs> but um, yeah and he talks about building a lot of stuff too and that's true I, i'm just trying to like I build, I yeah yeah in my head. i'm like uh, <laughs> oh they built sets they built that like they built that because they built that one chunk of train track he said or for the subway mm -hmm. to do some of the filming back and forth that they couldn't right. actually film down in the subway like yeah. most of it they did but then there was like one chunk they recreated and then like even the i think most of the like the mta the headquarter area where they're actually in i think they did a lot of that themselves and he talks about like them ending up using a lot of the ideas that they used for the technology and then oh, they yeah. started implementing in the mta afterward oh yeah that would be <laughs> interesting to figure out what it was i didn't look to see what it was i didn't look that up either but yeah that is interesting they were like giving them ideas but yeah because like, you know he's all about the visuals and like everything's up there on the screens it's like deja vu all over again almost right. you know? <laughs> he's good at making things on screens exciting I was, it's like uh and like again he called and he calls this like it's a, it basically what you call a two-hander because it's a lot of denzel talking to john travolta back and forth which he's very good at making exciting because a lot of directors that could get monotonous or a little boring, but again, because his camera's always moving and he's always doing, you know, something I feel like interesting visually that it keeps it from being boring. Because yeah, it's a lot of them going back and forth on radios talking to each other, and like um, they're both very compelling though. Um, it's funny because yeah, Denzel has to play like the kind of schlubby, normal guy 
which is like, you know, um, he can do that. I just think, you know, it's, it's, I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> Got his sweater vest and, you know, yeah, pouring like, coffee I, I, on himself. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm down. <laughs> I like that Denzel. I know. I like it too. I like that Denzel. He's, uh, he's good at it. I mean, Denzel could do anything I think you ask him to do. So, um, yeah. and they said, I think, uh, his, he was talking to Tony and he was like, you know, I think it was more like, well, what is this character? Like, what am I doing? And it's like, well, you're not a cop. You're not an FBI guy. You're not, you're just like a normal guy who works at his job and gets pulled into this crazy situation. Um, and Denzel's like, okay, that's cool. I'm gonna be a normal guy. <laughs> and like, um, I do like also too, how they, how they do finally come together by the end of the movie. Like how the, he, you know, he wants Denzel to come down and give, give him the money and how mm-hmm. those stories converge. Cause they've been talking this whole time. And I think Tony kept mentioning like, that they kept them apart, the actors kept the actors apart for most of the movie until they actually meet in the yep. movie. John Travolta like wanted to meet Denzel, and Denzel yeah, was like, no. "No, no." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, no, we got to stay apart till we meet in the movie." Yeah. <laughs> um, but it pays off. I like, and then when they they have, a, I I really do like their final scene together too. With I mean, spoilers, but uh, John Travolta's uh, death scene basically because it's a little similar to what happens in the original with like, you know, I don't go back to prison. Mm-hmm. Basically, he just does not want to go back to prison no matter what, and he's really. Uh, really wants like someone to take him out basically and kind of pushes Denzel all the way to like to do it for him to shoot him because he he gives him a countdown finally just pulls the gun Denzel has you and, and it, I love it the last line is you're my goddamn hero <laughs> like, I, I was literally about to bring that up I was gonna say that's part of the I, again when he that last scene I'm like I start feeling for Travolta again and that's <laughs> part of it that line I mean I don't know, man. <laughs> For some, because he says it to him earlier too. You know, whenever he's, whenever he does, gets him something to bribe, and you know, like yeah. he admits to it all and like saves that kid's life. You know, and he's like, "You're my hero." <laughs> you know, like he just, <laughs> and they, he makes that kid thank Denzel. You know, on the phone, he's like, "He just saved your life. Thank him." You know, it's, I don't know. It's these weird things that I was connecting to with Travolta's <laughs> character this time. That just like it, it let me know there was someone in there. You know, like. There's a human in there with some right, uh, yeah, like, good emotions. It just everyone's not pure evil. Not, not that I don't know. That's what. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It's like he's doing, he's doing some pretty awful things. Obviously, killing innocent people. <laughs> but it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. You almost feel bad. I don't know. It, it, I, it's complicated. But I know what you're trying to it say. But I can't. I can't. Something about here. him recognizing all the goodness in Denzel is, I don't know. It just was touching me <laughs> <laughs> i get it we all you know denzel's very easy guy to root for always especially when he's playing just a normal guy in a crazy uh crazy situation so um yeah, yeah. i was just and it's funny too because Dude, like is so good in this i that that, that is the thing that does bug me because you you brought it up earlier but like so many people have an issue with him being over the top whatever but this is like to me perfect level of travolta over the top like because it's almost to me it's not even over the top it's just him playing that character really well. And I think people just maybe don't respond to that kind of character, but, and it is, like you said, so different from Robert Shaw's super cool, you know, super like held back, restrained acting that he's doing for his character in the original. And so Travolta's like the polar opposite of that. And so, right. yeah, if you, if you go in with the original in mind, if you're super connected to it, that's gonna be tough. And, and I do know that even even the, I was looking up like good reviews of this one, the remake, 
and almost every one of them even the good reviews would still throw in there something about the original like you were saying like couldn't leave the original alone like but the original is still better or you know blah 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 but i don't know i love travolta in this like he's just he's what seals the deal for me on this <laughs> I get. I think he's what really for the when I first watched him the first time. I think he. I was even more into what he, I still like what he's doing. But I think I was even more into what he's doing. So I know what you're saying because like, I've always liked him over the top. Like I love him in Face Off. I mean, because he has to play the Nick Cage part. Even you know, uh, he's supposed to be the good guy, but he's, he flips and like, uh, and even Broken Arrow a little bit. I don't love Broken Arrow completely, but I you know I know people hate that too. That's where the whole like ain't it cool, you know, it's like the whole thing, and um. I yeah, you also got that like it became easy to hate him. I think during yeah. you know once that once all that started happening. And, Plus, he was but, he was kind of everywhere after Pulp Fiction brought him back. It was like he was there. I was reading something about him where it was like he kind of resaturated the market for Travolta because he was in so much stuff after Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he kind of that's why the two thousands was kind of bumpy for him. And then like when he's doing this, he's like not as big a star again but you know still a star obviously but um yeah i do like him what does he have that line about he hangs up with denzel and he's like and he's got a he's got a great voice or something i bet he's I bet he's good looking or something oh i think he's just like oh, i made my bitch in place yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just he's just i mean ridiculous i guess it's kind of funny that helps you kind of endear to yourself to john travolta's movie because he's he's got some funny lines so that always helps but <laughs> yeah no he's just tons of them i mean like <laughs> left and right and apparently he was doing a lot of improv i think tony said on the commentary yeah. he's just yeah. improv a lot of funny lines so um now nah, he's still he's always been one of our great movie stars I'm... yeah that's Got one of, that's one of a uh, friend of the show what i can't know i don't know how to pronounce his last name brandon straysnig I think it's Streisnig. I had him on. I had to ask because I looked at it. I was like, is it Streisnig? No, he said Streisnig. So, yeah. He said it, and I can't remember how he pronounced it, but he he always posts that clip of John Travolta saying, lick my bunghole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank, I'm glad you mentioned that because I almost forgot. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he is he's going for it. I appreciate it. This, is, this might kind of go almost with my style of her substance thing. I almost would have an actor like really go for it and like choose some scenery than kind of like you know than than not i guess i mean i you know again subtle performance with substance great but i do when people a lot of times people say somebody's over the top or chewing scenery i'm like i love it i'm like feed me more this is a weird example but for some reason in my mind i'm thinking of raul julia and street fighter (laughs) i don't know why but it's like one of the ultimate to me great over the top scenery chewing performances in a movie that is not great by any measure but i still like it but i mean he like i i'm so happy that he's going for it because like we still talk about that movie you know it's because he's really going for broke like in that movie um so i don't know i'd rather have somebody just fucking go go all out then it doesn't always work like sometimes somebody can go all out and they completely spin out of control you know it's like but sometimes it goes well so you know it's kind of a gamble but go big or go home i guess you could say <laughs> but um yeah it's fun yeah because we always talk about tony scott movies having like really great cast and i feel like this one it's it is very much between denzel and uh john travolta but i mean then you still get luis guzman who i'm always happy to see anything uh john taturo who's great James Gandolfini is the mayor. I love James Gandolfini in this movie <laughs> because uh, the mayor of New York, who 
absolutely does not want to be the mayor of New York. <laughs> like first scene, I think we see him in. He says he can't wait to move to Florida. <laughs> like, yep. Hates being the mayor of New York. Um, I I think he's he's really good in this. He's he's fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, he is good. There's a there's another scene. It's not him that make. Well, I mean, he, he's tied to it, but it's the uh, <laughs> whenever he starts talking to Travolta on the phone. And then Travolta's like saying, I wouldn't get you out here on this train or whatever, like, because he's like offering him so, or he wants to offer to have him come onto the train for the hostages or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, the city wants to kill you or they would kill you in a second. I don't know. It was just, it was funny because like he was just talking about how crappy the mayor was and how everyone hated him. <laughs> and he's like cussing him out and Jay Scott Phoenix getting pulled out of the, uh, yeah. the room basically. I mean, yeah, there's still, there's still funny touches in this one too. Like, um, like that kind of stuff. And yeah, I just, again, I was like, man, I miss James Gandolfini because he, he was, you know, could do anything I think. And, and was good in basically anything. I was happy to see him show up, but yeah, he's funny. He's very funny. in this, But, um, that's I think yeah I guess this time it's just it's weird too because in the first I I'm keep keep referencing it, but the original uh the mayor has like the flu basically and that's mm-hmm. like his thing he doesn't want to go out uh, and then I feel like you don't see him much at a certain point like he doesn't James Gandolfini keeps popping in and out of this movie all the way till the end he's at the end of the movie but like in the first one the mayor kind of disappears if I remember right I feel like he just kind of like vanishes out of the movie <laughs> but yeah there's the, like the deputy mayor in both of the movies and. He's kind of a bigger part in the original. The guy who okay, yeah. like saying like, oh, you know, these people don't care. These people don't care. These people don't care. You know, whatever. But he kind of is like in charge more so than the mayor in the original, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to think what else. I know we talked about this beforehand, but I'm like, it's funny because it's such a straightforward, like thriller heist movie. Mm-hmm. Like... I didn't have that much to say about it. <laughs> even I do, I do like this movie. I think it's amongst Tony's movies, even though, again, I said I put it kind of low too. I think it's kind of underrated. Like, I would say, like, from what I've seen, it's it's probably people really discount it and hate on it, like, this and the fan. And I don't know. That might be, like, the bottom two for most people. Like, these are the two I think I see get the most... Um, online hate it was domino for a while but i think the tide has turned on domino i don't want to take credit but no <laughs> uh, but um but i yeah, hate this... to you but i don't think the tide has turned as much as we want it to oh no <laughs> unfortunately oh no i'm living in a bubble where i just see domino oh, yeah. all the time <laughs> um, it has it has but i think i think that it's just it's going to take some more some more work okay it's my friend keith rich actually just watched it today uh, and was saying that he really liked it he never seen it before um and then he's gonna listen to our episode but yeah he's like i get he's like i like it he's like i see the flaws i see people complain about but he's like i dig it it's like good get on the bandwagon get on domino bandwagon but um i think this one just is up against such a wall of like being a remake of a beloved movie because i don't think i've ever seen anyone say anything bad about the original talk about a movie that's like exactly pretty universally beloved like um and just i mean it's really well made it is really really good so um but again the thing with remakes it's like it doesn't erase the original the original's still there you know it's like just another interpretation um and apparently there was like an abc movie of the week in like 1998 of taking pelham one two three that i'd never heard of until this you know episode but (laughs) yeah i had found it a while back and 
I did not watch it prior to this. I kind of I, I would like to see it some sometime, but I didn't check it out. It had uh, an uh, interesting cast, I think. But yeah, yeah, it had like Edward James Olmos and uh, like Donnie Wahlberg might be in it. Or something. Yeah, and then oh, what's his name who plays Kingpin on Daredevil? Vincent Nofrey, I think, was oh, yeah, yeah, the lead, the lead uh, kind of John Travolta role, the Robert Shaw role. So. He's a good actor. I mean, I was like, that sounds, I've never heard of it, but it sounded interesting. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like this movie. I think it's way better than people get credit for because I think everyone kind of dismissed it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like when it came out, it cost $100 million. It, it didn't do great domestically. It made a lot of money back overseas. So it made, it made like 150, which is, which I know sounds good. But then I, you know, you learn about like marketing and it's like, oh, it probably like, barely made a profit so that's not to the studio you know not a a rousing success but you know not a not a bomb which is always good i'm always when it wasn't a bomb for tony i'm always happy so technically made its money back but didn't do anything for the studio to say hey good job right <laughs> uh i just had a thought though you you were talking about earlier uh uh, backtracking way back to you were saying nothing like for the time like uh, connecting it to the like the time period of the financial crisis that was kind of starting to go on the whatever. But uh, there is that there is the one, like they do bring up uh, them being terrorists or not a lot in the movie. Right. Uh -huh. That was always interesting. And like, it's still interesting today because, you know, with what happened on the subway semi-recently and they were, you know, talking about how like, uh, you know, they don't ever say terrorists or like, it's always seems so hard for people to call people terrorists right right like oh terrorist you know like oh terrorist and like she has that like his wife you know garber's wife and he calls her and she's like do they have guns you know are they shooting people and they're terrorists you know it's like <laughs> she, she says that and it's like they seem to know that it's that simple but people have <laughs> such an issue like connecting those dots and just say terrorist <laughs> yeah it's and that's an interesting thing too i know terry brings that up like this is post 9 11 New York, which is a very different place than 1974 New York uh, in a lot of ways, like uh, technology wise. And then, of course, like just the vibe of the city, I feel like. And um, they re apparently really overhauled the subway system after 9-11 because they figured it was a, like a vulnerable target if you wanted to attack the city. Um, so that's yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of in there, just like the idea of New York post 9-11 dealing kind of like event like this would probably be kind of tra more traumatic than before 9-11 because it's like oh god what is this you know what what are we dealing yeah. with now um so yeah, i'm glad you brought that up yeah because it's just a different world that the movie takes place in and i mean for i think for it does feel like it takes place at the time that it feels very much of the time basically like it's like a time and a place like late 2000s new york like um and i'm probably imprinting more of the financial crisis stuff on it but i do feel like it's in there just not as it's not really talked about as much i don't know there's just all the money stuff and um i don't know i i i think it's just a fun thriller like that's in the book i don't know if you read the chapter in um the tony scott book oh um, yeah 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 right. where i know uh he talks about that this is interesting this is the first tony scott movie post 2008 which was a big year this came on my episode recently i feel like where that's like the year that like things really change when you have Iron Man come out and Dark Knight, and I feel mm -hmm. like super movies just completely started taking over, taking over the landscape at that point. Yeah. Like, and these kind of 
movies for adults, you know, R-rated thriller. Um, already, the cost of, yeah. They're already kind of, you know, going away. And it's like, yeah, like the the fact that it doesn't really make much money or as much money as they would like, I should say, um, it's kind of like the first sign of like, oh, is this going, you know, a different way? Like, what do we, you know, so it's a summer movie too. It comes out in June. Like this is a big summer movie with stars. And it's like, yeah, this would have, that's why I think I, the budget shocked me because I, maybe I'm thinking of in today's terms that they would never make this for a hundred million dollars. And it would, it's just like, I know it's a remake, but it, you know, it's, it's not based on like a comic or it's uh, any kind of property like that. It's, you know, it's interesting. And then that Tony has one more movie, obviously that's unstoppable, which is kind of, again, more in the vein of like, a big thriller for adults. It costs, I think about a hundred million dollars and that does better, I think. But yeah, I, this is the thing I've always been so curious. Cause like, how would Tony be doing in this post, this MCU landscape, you know? Cause like directors kind of like him, I feel like I've had to go to TV a lot or yeah. go do Netflix movies or stream movies. Um, it's funny in the book because between deja vu and this movie, he was doing a lot of TV stuff like the show numbers. And there was like, some TV movies. There's a ton of stuff. I didn't know how much TV stuff he was even doing, but he was doing a lot of like TV projects, but I guess maybe he would have gone TV stuff more. I don't know. Like I just can't imagine Tony Scott being stuck directing like uh, episodes of HBO shows. <laughs> like nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I just, I wish that was, I, I would hope that wouldn't be the only thing he'd be able to get, you know, in the 2010s, but I don't know. It's, it's fascinating me to think about that future. Cause it's, it's like, it's a whole different landscape than he's, he was living in. So it was, and I don't like thinking about it because, it, like, it is because it, it's tough because you you do think TV would probably be the only place he'd be able to survive, like, normally or whatever for the most part. Because, like, I mean, what Ambulance came out this year, and that's like almost the only thing similar to this right. at all left. Like one movie. I mean, I guess maybe he <laughs> could be Mike. It could be him and Michael Bay, the only two. Like, literally out there making anything regular yeah like yeah adult action good <laughs> he's like i don't know i mean yeah he just show up every few years randomly and i guess as long as they get like i mean what ambulance was only people talk about how cheap it was it was only what, like 40 million dollars or something yeah. looks great i mean so i guess there, there could be a place for him and i mean i like to you know kind of see ambulance as a good example of what he might have been doing now honestly you know but yeah yeah i don't know i mean tv could be a place but i would hate to like you said i would hate to see him on tv too but it is funny that you mentioned <laughs> the, the 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 superhero movies and stuff that was you know this was the year after dark knight iron man uh nick lasalle's review mentioned something that's it's like it's still relevant you know like he says credit some of that to tony scott he's a director known for his bombast and rightly so but unlike the overbearing generation of tony scott imitators that have taken root in the past 20 years this director never forgets the human element he grounds his action in personality and builds action sequences skillfully without relying on that shaking the camera idiocy that wrecks <laughs> we see each year and, and that's what's funny is because like so many people say he's guilty of that but even he recognized that it's not just shaking a camera. Like that's not what <laughs> that's what people who don't know what they're doing do. Right, right. That's uh, that's, I'm glad you brought that because his his style, I think, again, kind of even more comes back down to earth. I think in this movie, it's still a little, yeah. um, 
kinetic, but it's not it's not domino. It's not even as crazy as stuff in deja vu. There's some like time lapse effects and some like kind of I, I don't know, like the streaking kind of thing with the colors. I, don't, I again, I don't know what to call it, but it's like there's some techniques, but he's he's I was noticing just like, yeah, a lot more scenes like where the camera is like moving, but he's still kind of it's sitting. There's not a lot of cutting um, when he's having a conversation. It's it's more. I mean, compared to the other stuff, it's still it's, it's like it's just more controlled. I think people still think he's going crazy. It's like, no, he's calmed down um, from the stuff he was doing from Man on Fire, Deja Vu. Um, and yeah, it's like it's uh, that Nicholas Al. You know, I'm glad he said that stuff. That's good. <laughs> like yeah. that because there were a lot of imitators who it's this is like the thing, too, with like, you know, there was a lot of Tarantino imitators in the 90s and mm -hmm. they weren't doing a very good job. There's usually people who right. do the imitations aren't doing a very good job. Like um they miss the the real like heart of the whole matter and they just kind of see the superficial stuff and they just kind of yeah it's just you can just tell it's like cheap imitation <laughs> it's like um so yeah i don't know i mean the funny thing is i don't think we're talking about anybody anyone about this but uh that tony scott was scouting top gun two locations when he died so and top gun maverick is like the biggest movie this year i think i don't know if it i know domestically it's it's doing it's passing like titanic now and it's like it's making so much money and i'm just i'm curious if they'd made it 10 years ago would it have been that big a hit or tony, wait, they, let's just say they waited and did it now and if like tony scott was still directing would it still be a huge i, I assume it's would have been a huge hit but like tom cruise i assume still saw a pull in that movie you know <laughs> even if tony scott is a director but um that was that was what kind of made me a little sad watching Top Gun Maverick is like, oh, man, this should have been Tony's movie. But like I they did a great job. Don't get me wrong. But I just think uh, it does make me happy that it's doing so well because it's a movie that's like, again, still we connected. talked. Yeah, still connecting people. And like that's the funny thing about this year. I know Ambulance didn't make a lot of money or didn't make as much as I wanted to. But like there's a lot. My top 10 list right now is composed of like movies that are kind of throwbacks or very like original, like um i feel i feel like the landscape has shifted a little bit because i feel like the superhero movies have kind of lost a little bit of footing because i know a lot of people weren't happy with the new thor and the new doctor strange and people are kind of saying like yeah. oh mcu mcu is kind of like losing a little bit and meanwhile movies like everything ever all once are doing well top gun maverick's doing well um, people who do love ambulance love ambulance. <laughs> they make a lot of money, yeah, but um, <laughs> Nope is doing well. Jordan Peele's Nope. Um, and we got the North Bend again. Didn't make a lot of money because it cost a bunch of money. But like the stuff that came out is like feels like it's we're getting. I don't know. I feel like it's just getting it's it, the tide's turning back a little bit the other way. I, I feel maybe I'm imagining, but I just feel like we got so much superhero stuff that either. People are kind of, I don't know if I said getting burned out, or there's just more room for other stuff. And I don't know if that's a holdover also from COVID, because a lot of stuff got held. Like yeah. Top Gun Maverick was coming out like two years ago, I think. Um, Tom Cruise was like, absolutely not. No streaming. <laughs> you know, so. Delay, 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 man. That was. That was crazy. Yeah, I didn't think it was ever coming out. But uh, it just feels like there's a little bit of a, uh, an appetite for stuff that's different. I mean, there was that one weekend at the box office a few weeks ago where your top four all made over $20 million for the first time since like 2018. And they all were different kind of movies. It was like mm -hmm. Elvis, Top Gun, Jurassic World, which is not great, but you know, it's a, whatever, it's a blockbuster. And I can't remember what the fourth one was, but it was like 
something else that was kind of different. So it was like four different types of movies. Mm. It was like a family yeah, movie I, or something. I remember seeing that. I don't remember what they were either, but yeah. But it was just like a pot and Elvis is doing well. That's like, that's like a crazy two and a half hour biopic, you know? And it's like, um, I don't know. I feel very positive about movies are this year. Honestly, I just, we haven't had that conversation on this podcast, but like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm liking where things are at. Cause I feel like we're kind of pushing back toward at least variety in the, in the movie marketplace, you know, it's like, and good stuff. I don't know. That's just how I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I agree to an extent that there are good things out there. And I think that's the thing though, is we find them because we know where we're looking and, and we are, you know, we're the movie geeks. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're up on all the stuff that's coming out and like are able to, you know, find them all. I, I don't know if it's still enough, though, kind of like box office wise. You know, like you said, ambulance didn't make any money. Uh, sure, everything everywhere all at once did. You know, that, that's an exception. But Northman didn't really. I mean, it did, but didn't. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> It cost a lot more than I thought it did to make, but it's, right. you know, you can tell the money's on the screen. That's good. I, so yeah. I actually really don't, those are the other ones are doing well. Like Nope's going to make money. I'm sure it had a great first week. Elvis is doing super well. Top Gun, everything there all once. Um, so I, I, most part, I think they're making money. The couple that we mentioned that didn't do as well, you know, eh, but it's like um, even something that's like the fourth movie, Jackass Forever you know, yeah. I mean, it's like it, it's a fourth entry in a franchise, but it feels different when I go to the movies. It's like there's nothing else like Jackass in a movie theater, you know, and that didn't right. make a bunch of money. So that, you know, it's like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I I, well, I hope I hope that it's <laughs> somebody well, should we be. need optimism. I mean, because, yes, like the, the side <laughs> is superheroes and you know, it's still crushing box. Right, office. right. Like, they're just, you know, they kind of have taken over. <laughs> Still have taken over. I mean, they still have. I mean, and I I just talked to uh, it's not out yet. But Rob uh, Antiquera, we had we talked about the Phantom, and we talked about modern superhero movies. And I said, look, I still love most of these. I just went back and rewatched Infinity War and Endgame back to back in one weekend. I was like, these still play for me like gangbusters. It still works. And Marvel this past weekend announced a bunch of their stuff at Comic Con. And I was so excited for like almost all of it. So, you know, it's like they still got me on the hook. Like I'm still I still see stuff. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, new Avengers movies. I'm there. But um, I just desperately want variety because that's how I watch movies anyway. Like I will watch, a you know, something like a movie from the 70s and I'll throw on like a modern movie and I'll throw on like a comedy like from the 90s. Like I just like to have variety in my movie watching, you know, so I just want different stuff out there, you know, for us to to consume basically i do too and that, i mean that is the biggest i guess bummer is whenever you know you see there's only five movies at the theater and you know three of them are disney or whatever superhero movies and then there's just like the only place you normally are going to see all these other movies are art houses which you know there's not enough of those anymore you know or like sure maybe you'll get special screenings at you know repertory theaters and stuff like that of old movies too but it's just yeah i want i want more more new movies playing in the theater and it, it, i wish there was a way to take out the money part because obviously you know these are all businesses the right, right. want to make money <laughs> superhero movies make money these movies make money there's no reason they're not gonna theaters too like they're obviously they're gonna let those movies play they're making them money i mean <laughs> 
we can't argue that side of it unfortunately <laughs> yeah it's always but, still a business at the end of the day yeah, but yeah. Um, i wish we could separate and just say well just let ambulance play all year long in the theater and i just who cares if only one person's <laughs> that person go see yeah, it i want to see those drone shots in in the cinema in the yeah, in the theater i, mean, <laughs> I don't know why i said the cinema what the way to do that that would be uh, yeah <laughs> i want to see it on a big screen um they're letting top gun maverick play for what seems like forever uh because everybody i know um has been like that was that was encouraging because like people come up to me and being like have you seen top gun like the new top gun like and everyone's like, we got to see it. Even people, I don't even, like my mom and stepdad were like, oh, so glad we saw it on a big screen. Got the sound and the, you know, yep. and um, that that's the funny thing about it being a business. So we have to be happy when these movies like Elvis make a ton of money because um, or uh, everything ever all once, because then hopefully Hollywood will get the message that it's like, OK, this made money. So people want more stuff like this but they sometimes take the wrong message They're like oh multiverses that's what they want it's like well no it's like you know it's just tell a good story but um i don't know <laughs> they 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 hollywood responds to money basically more than anything so um as much as we all love ambulance and say we love ambulance it's like they'll look at it and go well they make a lot of money so right who knows right. everyone loves ambulance but that's everyone on twitter not everyone going to the theater right like so like yeah, yeah. our own bubble and it sucks, but I mean, it I'm is still surprised it is. by because I felt like that should have done better. I don't understand, but um, yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah and I, you know, you're kind of going back to Tony. Like, I mean, Michael Bay did all the Transformers movies, right? And those right. are what varying <laughs> degrees of you know <laughs> quality. <laughs> yeah, um, but. I, yeah, I, I don't, I, it would be weird because I, I don't picture Tony ever doing anything like that, you know, like getting into a franchise like that. But I mean, who knows? Would he have? I don't know. Right. He might have, I mean, he evolved his style with the time. Maybe he would have rolled with it and yeah, who knows? done something. I could have sworn I read something that was, he had a bunch of projects going like at the end of his life. And like, I thought one of them was like going to be his possible first superhero. And it wasn't like a mainstream superhero. I don't think it was like something kind of like a, a smaller comic mm-hmm. line, maybe image or something. I, it was like some, they said like, oh, he's going to do his first super movie. I can't remember what it was right now, but I'll look it up. <laughs> but uh, so he might've dove in. I don't think he was like really against trying anything. You know, it was just yeah. whatever interested him. But um, I don't know. It would have been fascinating. I had to ask all this because we only have one more episode of Unscottable left. So I had to, <laughs> had to get you, uh, sure. get your thoughts. Uh, I don't, do you have anything else? I'm taking a poem one, two, three. I kind of jumped to that because I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> oh mean, yeah, no. Um, yeah, I mean, you—it's the only movie he worked with this cinematographer on, and it, it looks great. I don't—I don't know this. Its name, his name's Tobias Schleisler. Schleisler. Hey, he mentioned him in the commentary, and I. Yeah, and this is the only movie they did together. Interesting. His normal crew, which I know he—he he had a few guys he used on cinematography. His normal guys, but it was Chris. I don't know how to pronounce his name either. Lebenzen? <laughs> Lebenzen? The editor? Yeah, I think that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he tends to work with the same people, but sometimes they come and go. Like, I don't think we even mentioned that this was also written by um, Brian Helgeland, yeah. who did Man on Fire. So that made me kind of more excited for it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Man on Fire is still my favorite. So, and this is not near the top, even though I really like it. I should really reinforce, like, but I think me and you both have a hard time ranking Tony Scott movies. <laughs> like, I do. Oh, I know you it always is, put it, like 
all number one in my heart. So. Yeah, I do. And like, I, I, it's a, it's close to the bottom of my list, but like I said, it works so well this time. Like, I mean, I could move it up, but it, the list is stupid. <laughs> I, I, there's no, it's, it's that whole, whatever one I'm watching right now. Right. My favorite. Right. Yeah. That's just <laughs> kind of how it is. And I hate, I hate making, you know, best of list kind of for that reason. <laughs> Sometimes yes, it does work, but whenever it's something like this, where I just can't even disconnect, like I just love them all so much. It's hard That's, to choose. I mean, I really understand. Is. That's how you probably know. It's like every time I'm watching one. So, Oh yeah. That's probably how, you know, a director is really one of your favorites though. Whenever you're watching a movie there is like this is probably my favorite but it could change every time like yeah. i always joke about that we talked about um me and mark and hayden recently episode we talked about like tarantino and we had a rank there or something i was like guys whatever one i'm watching is like my favorite one at that moment and it's like tony scott like yeah the the one i usually am loving it more especially unless it was commentary it makes me love a movie more <laughs> i feel like whenever i listen to him talk about the movie so um yeah. it changed a lot i look at my like top especially the top like five ish movies i'm like these could all move around any given moment you know like um it's tough it's tough i thought about ending this whole thing like after unstoppable doing like a ranking or best stuff but i'm like it almost seems pointless because i, I just felt like that wasn't what this was all about anyway and i feel like i would just i'd listen to it two days later and be like no this is all i gotta change this it's all wrong so. well that's how it, every time i post mine i'm like i look at it and like you know people comment on it and say this is this, this and i'm like well i mean no that's just that's just where i put them all i mean <laughs> read the letterbox list it says all oh, number yeah. one in my heart it's all o- yeah. outside of i'll probably always say days of thunder is like my favorite outside of that they're just they all fall into place but <laughs> understandable um but yeah i don't know i think taking home one two three is just a really good thriller with you know great performances from you know denzel washington john travolta and a good supporting cast like we mentioned like be a good listen if you haven't seen it in a while or you've never seen it i don't think it i don't think you'd be upset about it i don't know like and try not to compare it too much to the original people come on give it a break yeah. it's just it's its own thing <laughs> i think that's yeah that's the thing is like uh, and people like if if you were watching like man on fire domino deja vu taking a pill on one two three and unsolvable if you were like watching them all at the same time you would realize that pill one two three is you know toned down a bit from because you know when it came out people were still associating it so much with that frenetic style you know but it is way more chill than those you know like (laughs) yeah not like super chill but because you know like but i think part of the reason people still think that is like yeah sure there's like some weird editing here and there and he does do like some of his tonyisms but travolta you know is just so on (laughs) the whole time you know that it, it almost makes the whole movie feel like it's on the whole time just from him like he has so much power over the whole movie i think you know like and like you said if you're not into it then it's going to be a problem (laughs) and i don't know if i mentioned too when when i first saw this tony scott's version i had never seen the original so i had nothing to compare it to yeah me either which i think helped i think that helps if you've never seen the the original and you watch the remake before it then you know might be a little easier i don't know and i so i didn't live with the original for a really long time and then watch this one that that's always harder i understand yeah. that if somebody really loves this original and then tries to watch this one because i feel they change things at some points ever so slightly that you might not like it you know <laughs> like right. but i watch them back to back they still play really well because they're different enough that i don't think i'm watching the exact same 
movie, you know, and like the performances are different and dynamics are a little different in the tone. So, um, and they take big uh, changes at the third act, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's uh, well, still very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw some, you know, some of the reviews mentioned uh, as a criticism, like that the people on the, that the hostages don't have enough to do, or like, they're not like fleshed out or anything. And sure, I can see that a bit, but I mean, how fleshed out are they supposed to be? Especially when you do have the most of the movie is Denzel and Travolta, right? And like, they're just so powerful. I mean, sure, maybe you want a little bit of a connection to the hostages, but I think that they do just enough with them that it's not, I wouldn't criticize it in like a review or like, you know, I, to me, it doesn't take away from the movie enough because they're hostages and it's a movie and you know you're watching a movie and like, <laughs> yeah you know all these people have lives you you need all of their lives like fleshed out how well do you need them fleshed out I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's just me but i don't know and I, yeah well, i mean you didn't I, even talk about like john Turturro. uh he's a good <laughs> i I, know, I mentioned his name and said he was in the movie but i didn't say much but i uh i do love the scene too where he kind of fucks up and talks to Travolta. and john Travolta like flips out and is like and get the guy Get, yeah, kills a guy. It's like get Garber back in here, and they have to race to get Denzel back in the building. That's an intense scene where it's like gives him a countdown again. Um, that might be the the hostage thing is interesting because that might be a thing if you're comparing the original to the, the remakes. I saw this one first, and I watched the original. I feel like the the hostage in the original do feel like they have a little more personality, a little more like New York authentic. They feel like the people they like, pulled off the street in New York to be in the movie. Like they feel pretty like. They're colorful characters, I would say. And this one, they're like not quite as um right. uh, lively, they're, I guess. You know, it's kind of just there. There, yeah. The original, they do like they almost all have something to say or do. Right, right. Or whatever, their own little mannerisms. And so yeah, maybe that's where that's even coming from. Is yeah. From if there. you're seeing the first one and this one, yeah. It's like yeah, most time I mean, hostages kind of like background. <laughs> I feel bad saying that, but they're like, I don't expect a lot of like personality and you know stuff from the hostages they're just kind of there to be hostages in my in most movies it's nice if you give them a little personality but you know it's like i don't think it's a deal breaker <laughs> but yeah. um we're actually, do... see, see what we're doing here we're actually talking about how they could have done it <laughs> <laughs> but, but they chose not to oh they did do it in the original but tony yeah. didn't do it in the remake. well it's funny because tony uh, tony talks okay. about casting these hostages and like he makes like they, they put a lot of thought into it and maybe they shot more with them and cut it out or something like um because yeah. he talks about like he wanted like a, a train car full of like different kinds of people um but he didn't want to be too obvious also so it was kind of a weird balance of like i don't want to be like almost like lo- loading like an arc or something i don't want two of this this people and these people like so we i don't know he says he has like two pretty college girls and like a bomb and her son and like this the one the ex-soldier guy and you right. know and it's like and i do think it's funny his girlfriend on the computer you know so yeah like, yeah yeah Which i don't know like, i mean i guess now we're talking the other way like yeah i don't know i do yeah. think it's very funny of tony when they're quickly panning through some hostages and he like sees the two pretty girls he goes it's like basically <laughs> oh there's two pretty girls <laughs> like yeah, he has to call that, it out oh um, that guy. Listen, he loved life. Uh, he, <laughs> it's, well, uh, yeah. I think that's what's so funny is that he says things like that, and like in the commentaries and stuff, when you hear him and in interviews and stuff, he does say things like that where it's like he just he's just saying stuff and you know it's kind of speaking his mind or whatever. But at least it's never something. It he gets close, but he's never like oversteps that line. Right. right. Like, oh, this dude's gross. You know, like so like. <laughs> 
he's just always right yeah. there. Like, I think also his accent helps. Normal level. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> having that accent makes you sound more polite and gentlemanly. Uh, the the craziest he ever gets, I think, is on the revenge commentary yeah. uh, about about Madeline Stowe. Right? This <laughs> is true. This is true. We don't he, talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. But I just I to, I don't know. I can maybe I love him too much. I forgive everything. But that is just he's in love with Madeline Stowe. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah, funny was, to me. But, but if that's the, if that's the worst, I've never heard him do anything that crazy. Uh, he's just really into her. But no, otherwise, it's yeah. like yeah, little things here and there. But um, luckily, I mean, all this time, you've all the, all the crew and cast have nothing but good things to say about him. Nothing's come out like he was one of those secret Hollywood monsters or anything. You know, like yeah, no, that's God. what we mentioned. Yeah, that's what we talked about that on the Domino episode too. Like yeah. everywhere you see is like everyone's just praising him left and right. Like. Thank and God. There's no, like, way, there's no way that someone wouldn't have said something by now. It, oh, yeah. 12 years after he, you know, it's like, I think something would have come out by now. So I feel pretty safe in, uh, or no, 10 years. Sorry. Because, yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, I thought it was 12. But yeah, I you know. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it would have hurt something by now. So I, uh, yeah, that's always good because I, I, my heart couldn't take it. So it's like, I know that would, that would be the one that really just killed me, probably. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, um, Oh boy, but yeah, it's almost like anybody. I, I this is very late in this podcast, but like, d- listen to his commentaries if you're interested at all. Because I think I, I still love his commentary so much. Like, there's so much fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. I think it gives you so much like fun information. I love the commentaries where the director gives you like a little bit of technical side, and then a little bit more of the logistic side, and then just like fun anecdotes about stuff. And he's so entertaining, and like he could he could probably talk for two more hours about the movie, you know, like past the end of the the movie, but um. I just have every commentary was to I've really enjoyed from him. So they're very, yeah, I, I do too. And I, I wish, I wish, I wish there was one on every movie. Unfortunately. I know it bothers me that there's not one on every, even movie. I think there should like no Beverly Hills cop two commentary. How did that happen? Like, I don't understand. Oh, it's a, yeah, a big movie that, that apparently went really well from a shooting perspective. Like last boy scout, I get there's no commentary. Cause that was apparently a nightmare scenario, but like Beverly Hills cop two, it was all fun. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. it's weird. There's some that are missing. Like, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. But we have we have a good amount, so I'll take what I can get. But <laughs> we have a good amount, and and he is good, pretty good about like not overloading one or the other. He kind of flows, you know, through like you said, technical stuff, just random behind the scenes talking. You know, like oh this and that. I, I like this one. He talks about you know those the Albanian uh, John Travolta's uh, partners. Like oh, how yeah. those were actual, you know, <laughs> like gangsters, right? Yeah, like, like they, they they were what he calls them role models, like the people he picks, him and his uh, production assistant, uh, the guy who does all the research with him for like who they're going to use as like kind of inspiration for the characters and whatnot, like who they kind of like base their characters on. And I remember he was talking about those guys just ended up being so good. <laughs> they couldn't find anyone to <laughs> take their place and you know the studio didn't want to use them because they were actual bad guys actual criminals yeah. that was funny yeah, yeah like, <laughs> then they use them and like they're in the movie like it's pretty cool that's the same thing with domino i mean they use oh the yeah real gang i mean so this weird is, uh, I, I do love this about tony though i think because he likes the danger element so i feel like yeah. He likes to push it. It's like I'll cast real criminals. I'll go to real dangerous locations. <laughs> it's like, yeah. um, but I like that about him. Yeah, I just like um, 
he wants authenticity sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. And I guess both those real criminals got like a bunch of squibs put on at the end of this movie when they get shot. Oh, yeah. And, and he said they used like 200 squibs, which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> and he said they had to do two takes because the first time they didn't go off and like they blew oh, up really? after the guy fell down or so, which sounds terrible. Like, it's anything I heard about squibs make it sound like squibs are like not very fun to have on. Like, they yeah, sound like, like, like they're you are almost getting shot with real bullets. Yeah. It's kind of how it sounds. Barely, like, barely better. One of my favorite stories, uh, speaking of stylist, is De Palma tells on his De Palma documentary about Sean Connery and the Untouchables, and they had to put squibs on him. Have you ever heard the story? I, I've seen the documentary, but I don't remember. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's in that documentary or, or somewhere else, but like how Sean Connery he was James Bond. So he didn't get shot. So he never had squibs on him. So yeah. he had to put all these squibs on him and Sean Connery hated it. Like he was pissed. Like he was like, he did like, I think he did one take and that's all he did. He was like, cause he, he hated having squibs on him. Um, it was just funny. Cause he was like, I've never been shot. I'm James Bond. Like I don't get, I don't get shot. At. You know, I don't take bullets basically. I get shot at, but I don't get shot. Um, I just, yeah, it seems not fun. And when Tony said the guy's like 200 squibs on them, and there, I did watch it again. God, they get a lot of bullet holes in them. And yeah. then like, and then they, you know, have to fall over. And then they, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. But I wonder if those gangster guys were like, this is worse than actual criminal work. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This is, I don't know. This is a fun movie. I think it's very underrated in his filmography. I think like, people would probably say it's his worst or one of his worst. Um, it's probably where I see it fall most of the time, which I, I mean, he has a lot of great movies. So it's kind of hard to, you know put it near the top i wouldn't put it at the top but it's like you know it's it's not as bad as people put naked out to be I think. Right, <laughs> so right. just separate it from the original people and it'll be it'll be better so <laughs> yeah i don't uh, you know kind of semi-recently i was doing that i don't know how long ago it was but i was asking everyone you know what their top i was actually keeping track of like their favorites <laughs> and like top three tony scott movies uh-huh. and whatnot. <laughs> but this one didn't get you know very high it was like this and days of thunder were pretty low in the fan like those are the yeah the bottom like you're saying but yeah like I, I, but again even though they're at the bottom like i mean do, do how many people actually hate them or they're just they're the the they're their least favorite tony scott movie you know like I think critics probably hated this more than normal people. I think critics are really hard on this one. No. Take yeah, <laughs> like they were. I mean, there you posted. I think the other day about the Rotten Tomato scores for most of his movies are terrible. Oh yeah, even yeah. the ones that we like, like Man on Fire, and um, yeah, I can't remember. It's but crazy, I don't get it. I just critics had a real bone to pick with Tony Scott. It feels yeah. like they did have a tough time uh, connecting. But uh, speaking of, so that one good quote I had from Mick LaSalle on this, uh, another person who apparently loved the, the taking of Pelham 123 was Peter Travers. Oh, okay. Who, these are, uh, by the way, these are two critics I don't normally find myself agreeing with, I think. So, yeah, I, 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 I me either. But it, that, that's what's so weird. It's like he's like pumping it up so high. I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is written like a letterbox review. Like, he was, <laughs> he was ahead of the time. Like, he says, where, where is it? Hold on. I can't even find it. Oh my god. 
<laughs> oh, this movie hits you like 600 volts from a sparking third rail. Damn straight, it's electrifying. <laughs> Director Tony <laughs> Scott keeps the suspense on high sizzle. <laughs> Screenwriter Brian Helgeland doing a freestyle adaptation of John Goody's novel takes the time to anchor the thrills to character. And then he goes on and it's, a, man, it's just like, he's like hyping it up the whole time. Talking about the setup and he's like, you want to know more? See the movie. <laughs> what counts wow. is how Scott keeps you sweating it out. <laughs> All right. Like, I mean, it's just full of like bull crap like that, you know. Like, yeah, no, it's this not is like pull that. pull quotes for the poster. Basically, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he's like, I gotta get on that DVD cover when it he's comes just out. Hyping oh. it up so high, and I'm like, that's crazy. I have not seen a review like that. <laughs> it's that's it. uh, it that is not. funny. Yeah, he's. I mean, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but yeah, like so. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, let's bring it down just a tad. Um, and we're telling somebody that we're the Tony Scott people, I feel like. But, I know, right? Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, to wrap up on this, I we both like it, we both like John Travolta in the movie, that's important. Uh, yeah. it's uh, I know we talked about like we're not gonna talk about, like, I mean, I think this is not like some, I mean, it probably is for some people, but we're it's not gonna talk, like, get all deep and philosophical about it. Like, I think I the Travolta, yeah. you know. Denzel interplay is where it's at and like I said for me like that's where it was connecting the most and like so I don't know I mean but yeah it's just it's a nice little thriller I mean what more yeah. do you need I mean sometimes it's all you need really it doesn't need to have like deeper themes like uh I feel like I'm finding stuff I was finding stuff like domino you know about like mid-2000s culture but like yeah this one I think is just uh, that's uh, to make a straight up like I'm gonna remake this movie and make a good thriller heist movie and with good actors and it'll be entertaining that, that's all you need sometimes it's you know that's what this year i feel like with the movies but we're getting back to like just be an entertaining movie you know it's like just be a good entertaining movie i don't think top gun maverick has like a lot of big ideas i mean you know it's like it's just a fun entertaining movie so that's totally fine that's totally fine so um well, I guess I guess that is it. So I, uh, I wrap up here. But now, because we're about to end this series, I will tell people when this comes out, there should be one episode in between. My plan is to put the last episode of Unscottable out on August 19th, because that is the 10th anniversary of Tony Scott's passing. I just kind of felt like the way that lined up with how these episodes, I did not plan it that way. But when I looked, I was like, well, that's weird that we're going to end up right at the time of the 10 year anniversary is passing. So I was and like, yeah, that is kind of weird. It is, yeah, like, we took some, like, I missed some months and the schedule kind of thrown off. And the way when I started kind of tracking it out, I was like, oh, we're going to end in August of this year, which is, then I look back, I was like, when did he pass away? And it was this, it's August 19th of 2012. So um, really weird coincidence. And I just felt like there's no better way to honor him than to celebrate uh, him and his movies. And we'll do Unstoppable, obviously, it's his last movie. Uh, Mark Warner should be joining me for that one. Um who's this whole thing was his idea so it all comes to a full circle so um so yeah there should be this one should be out an episode in between that i think i wouldn't say what's about i'm not sure yet but and then and yeah. then uh unstoppable to wrap up the unscottable series which is going to be weird to be done with yeah. and have no more tony scott movies to talk about it, it does still bum me out but um then it might take a little well-needed break i think it might take a couple weeks off <laughs> just from yeah, podcasting either. but Oh yeah, I should, but it's, uh, we'll see. I I tell myself I need a break sometimes, and I get, I like I want to do it. Then I'm like, oh, I want a podcast, but um, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. But um, anything you want to say to like, I don't know, final words on like more about just Tony Scott or anything? Because I know you, you're not going to be on that episode. So if you want to say like final thoughts about Tony Scott or his career or anything, 
Um, go for it. <laughs> I know I put you on the spot, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, put me on the spot. Maybe maybe I'll record a special note for your. Uh, hey, I was thinking episode. about that as idea. Okay, yeah, that, that way I can think something better than he's a cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know that would be great if that was it too you said a special note yeah. it's like he was a cool if i don't dude. give you anything feel free to use that again okay i'll he just was a real cool dude <laughs> fair enough i didn't put you on the spot but i it's funny because i thought yeah. the same idea i was like i should get like james to maybe we could do a quick recording or something and put it on that last episode or something um yeah yeah but, we could talk about something maybe so. yeah maybe maybe we'll do that or i'll record something so we'll do we'll do something all right it wouldn't be much just like you know but yeah uh i thought it'd be fitting i was like he's gotta be on the last episode i feel like so yeah um, i'll do something all right cool um well yeah anyway do you want to go ahead and uh well thank you for being here and doing this it was a ton of fun to talk to you again uh do you want to plug anything people could follow you and all that stuff oh (laughs) sure (laughs) twitter is (laughs) at tj underscore m-a-c-k-e-y four three two that's at TJ Mackey 432. Um, I'm James, aka that Tony Scott guy. Oh, you can just search that Tony Scott guy and they'll find you, right? Yeah, you can. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I've really, I think I mentioned this on the Domino podcast. I've really toned down like the <sighs> searching out all the Tony Scott <laughs> tweets. It's just, man, it's, I, I mean, I, I don't want to sound lazy, but it, it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of tweets and everyone seems to love him so much now. It's like it got more and more and it's like, I can't. If I scroll past something with Tony Scott, you're getting quote tweeted. You're getting retweeted. But I, I'm not really searching anymore. Yeah, you can't go that. into the search bar anymore and look for every. Yeah, just, uh, and then it's hard because then my brain says, well, no, I need to search every title. I need to search Tony Scott. I need to, you know, like I start getting. Weird, oh, yeah. That's. And it's like this rabbit hole. And I'm like, I can't do this, man. So, like, don't feel <laughs> you... bad or like, who cares? Whatever. <laughs> you've done good you've done good if you if it's like now it's like time to rest if you want you know take a little but if you said if you still see it you'll retweet it but you're not for sure and it's also weird because like i'll tweet stuff and then i won't put that hashtag on there and i'm like oh i forgot to put the hashtag and then i'm like it's just like (laughs) do i want to retweet it delete this tweet put that hashtag no i don't know you know you don't want to become you don't want to become a job that's the last yeah yeah like the things my brain is worried about is so stupid (laughs) anyway oh but yes everyone should be following you on twitter so um well yes uh thank you again i will for our stuff uh the usual you could follow the podcast on twitter at film feast pod you can follow me on twitter at maple 87 uh you can follow me and the podcast on instagram at film feast all one word um and that's it for this time guys we'll talk to you next time bye everybody Bye-bye.